as I jump back into the message, communication is a vital part of any healthy relationship. Unfortunately, our social skills are not growing at the pace uh, uh, of, of, the, of the calendar year. In other words, our social skills are less face-to-face and more and more face-to-screen. And when it's face-to-technology, we wane a little bit in our social skills. We wane in our ability to relate to one another and to communicate. There are so many amazing things that happen with these, um, including... Uh, ordering groceries online now. We don't have to see people. We don't have to talk to a cashier person. We don't have to wait behind someone who got way too much in their cart and they think they can self-check out. And you're like, girl, you should not be self-checking out that thing. You holding up the whole line. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We can order our groceries online. We can shop for all of Christmas online and never set foot in a store and see somebody else. We get all of our social fixes from isolated rooms. We, we, we can even do church online, and we can prevent seeing other people in the community of saints. We can start dating someone through these phones, date them through the phone, and even break up with them through the phone, which suggests that maybe our social skills are not what they used to be. And while they have so many great features, like when I'm on vacation or not feeling well, there is church online. We will always provide that. Or maybe now I can FaceTime my family who's in Louisiana or something. We can't ignore the isolation, depression, and anxiety that is increasing as a result of less and less face-to-face time. This is something we should anticipate as we read the heart of God. For it is God who said it is not good for man to be alone. And so connection is something our soul actually requires. Our soul requires love and belonging. And we don't find that love and belonging behind the screen. We find that love and belonging when we begin to get face to face. And when we get face to face, we have to learn to communicate when things are going well and when things are not going so well. When things are going my way and when things are not going my way. We've got to learn to have conversations and to grow in our communication because it is the New Testament that that says that we should not forsake sake gathering together to meet especially as the last days are approaching in other words come on we have to be in community we've got to be talking to one another and our marriages are going to need it most but any relationship will be blessed by it how many of y'all love watching movies with somebody who doesn't who likes to talk through the movie anybody else I have a propensity to, to be hyper-focused on everything. If I read a book, I need to read every single word. I don't know why. I'm just thinking the next word is the word that changes everything, and I'm not going to miss it. When I watch a movie, it's no different. It's like, say what? Come on. Uh, let's rewind that thing because they said that a little muffled. They should have really transcribed that at the bottom, honey. You know what I'm talking about. And by the way, why do you always got to transcribe Cajun people? Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm from the South. I'm, I'm from the South. I can understand them fine. I don't know why anybody else can't. But when somebody starts talking during the movie, it's like, would you stop? I don't understand the new technical uh, uh, concept that came up with uh, movies with friends. Like you can, you can watch Netflix with friends. I don't want to do that because that gives people an opportunity to interrupt 
the, the very thing that we're watching. In fact, sometimes you wish you had a mute button for certain people in the room that you could just, okay, I'm going to turn this up and I'm going to turn you down, so far down that you stop talking. See, in order to get the gist of a great movie, you've got to turn some voices up and you've got to turn some voices down. And in the same way, to have a great marriage, you're going to have to learn that there are some voices you need to turn up and leave up. And there are some voices that you need to turn down. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today in a, 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 a message entitled, Marriage Unmuted. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that you teach us what you want to teach us about communication, relationships, and love through your scripture and through your goodness. Thank you that your way is light, and we want to walk in it. In Jesus' name, I pray. And anyone who agree with that can say amen. Recently, my wife and I were hanging out with a couple that began to share their testimony with us a little bit about how they were on the brink of divorce and uh, things were not going well for them at all. They were separated and ready to divorce. And, um, but God showed up and God began to speak. And now they are now in the healthiest place that they've ever been in their marriage. And, and they're part of this church. So I reached out to them the next day with their story still on my mind. And I said, could you, could you try to sum up what God was actually saying to you? What were your takeaways? And the big thing that they said was a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor oh I want to help you out because some people are like okay that's mercy and that's grace to my soul a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor because some of us know I got rocky seas and I don't like talking about those rocky seas I like hiding those seas and sometimes those rocky seas make me believe there's something broken about me broken about them broken about us the enemy comes in and starts telling us that this will never work and that we're all jacked up and sometimes we need to realize that God may great sailors out of um, out of stormy seas and so um, there are in other words there are going to be issues there are going to be topics of discussion when you're in a marriage and you can't expect smooth sailing all the time so I sat down recently with them and I asked them if they would share their takeaways we recorded this video watch this hey guys I'm so excited about sitting down with one of the members of our church uh, this couple represents so many couples that I could sit down and we could learn from, but we were having dinner the other night, my wife and our families were together, and I was just impressed by uh, two different events you guys described in your life that had the odds stacked against you. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right, Drew. So our, our marriage uh, has, has faced lots of challenges, and Christy and I had to make some changes and able to persevere and be where we're at today. Um, you know, the first challenge was in 2011, we were living very selfish, independent lives. Um, and at that time we'd separated and we talked about filing for divorce. Um, after a couple months of being separated, we decided to, to put the divorce on hold, um, to, to work on our priorities with each other, with God and our marriage. Um, and at that time we put it on hold. So. Uh, according to marriage.com, about 87% of marriages that go through a separation-like process um, usually end up in divorce. So at that time, we survived that first kind of challenge statistic. Um, you know, we renewed our vows. We were working on our marriage. We we're making God, again, you know, more of a priority in our marriage. And in 2014, 
we were blessed with our third son, Reed. Um, Reed, a few years later, was diagnosed with autism and a behavioral disorder. And with being a parent of a child with special needs, there's a lot of new kind of challenges, obstacles, and stressors that come about. Um, and, and that, again, caused a little bit of strain on our marriage, and we had to adapt again. Um, according to a documentary that came out uh, recently called Everyday Autism, about 85% of marriages that have a child with special needs and right. end up in divorce also. So about 87% from the first event and then 85% of the second event, we had our odds stacked against us. Uh, so there's only about a 2% chance that we, our marriage would make it. Yeah, that part was crazy impressive to me. Um, but y'all were telling me, but God. Right. Like, right. Yeah, we were discussing how do you do this without God? And that's why I love that we can have this conversation in church because uh, so many people can be can benefit from this. So I bet it was both God and some things that y'all needed to work out together. So uh, what were some of the key takeaways that you guys needed to work on? Because then you say you're in one of the healthiest spots of your marriage now. Right. So you go from 2011, brink of divorce, 2023, healthy. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about some of the key takeaways you guys had to work on. One of the biggest things we had to change our priorities um, our priority number one was not on God. It wasn't where it needed to be, and it definitely wasn't on each other. Um, we were both living very selfish lives. Um, we were focused on career, hobbies, you know, the kids, everything but each other. And we had to reformat the way that we were thinking and doing things. So we had to do the marriage the way that we knew God would want us to do marriage. We had to put God first and then each other second, and then everything else comes after that. So when we, when I changed my priorities and Brendan did too, to seek him first, and then you put your spouse next, then things started falling in line for us. That's good, that's good. I bet a lot of us need that, especially as, you know, I, I was always taught we can't be mind readers, so if we don't communicate our priorities, we might misread one another too, right? So what, what, what was another? So a big point, a big thing for me is that when we got back together and we were working on our relationship, that we had to be open and honest with each other, right? We had to always communicate um, some of our challenges, some of our fear, some of our needs, our love language from each other. Um, and especially, you know, now being a parent of a child with special needs, there's days where my patience may be low or I need a break or, um, you know, and I, I've got to be able to communicate and trust Christy with these feelings and that she'll be supportive and be able to help me with them. That's so good. But even as you say open and honest, sometimes there, there needs to be safety to be open and honest, right? right? Like we have to be comfortable getting vulnerable with right. each other. And I'm sure that didn't come naturally. No, it, it came through, you know, time of making each other intentional and spending right. intentional time with each other. Right. That was the other thing with, with our priorities, making Brennan a priority. I had to spend time with him and it couldn't just be like, we're going to go on a date every once in a while. We have a rule now, and we started this years ago, where at you know 9, 9.30 at night, every single night, that is our time. Whether it's 30 minutes or two hours that we spend together, we're gonna watch a movie, we're gonna sit and do a Bible study, ask questions to each other, whatever it is. Um, but it has to be no phones, and it has to be just about us during that time. Mm. You were sharing one more of those three, though, when I was asking you about it. What was that third one? Um, God was, the one that we really had to focus on. We had to focus on what God, where he was in our life and what he was saying to us. Cause you can listen to a lot of influences in your marriage. You can listen to everybody around you. You can listen to your family. You can listen to even what you're feeling and thinking. And all of that will lead you astray if you're not careful. 
Um, but I remember there was even a time where I was sitting in church thinking, this marriage is not what God wants for me. So even sitting in church, I was muting God. I was not listening to what God wanted. I was listening to me and the influences around me. So when I started making God a priority um, and putting him where he needed to be um, and putting him at the center of my marriage and, and talking to Brendan about that, that's when things got better when I started when we both started making God number one in our life and number one in our marriage. So let me clarify, you're sitting in church and you feel like you're hearing a voice that sounds like God yeah. saying you need to end this marriage. Yeah. That can happen. Right. I know right. a lot of people probably have. How did you navigate your way through that to realize that's not God's plan? Right. At the time, you know, I didn't know God like I should. And that was, that was a big part of it. I wasn't now I can, when I hear that voice that sounds an awfully lot like God, I will tell myself, no, but this is what God's word said. Mm. Back then I didn't know God's word. Now I know what God's word said. So I can replace that lie with the truth and what I know. That's so good. Thank you guys for taking the time to share these thoughts, both with my wife and I, but then also to sit down at this video. I know it's going to bless so many. Come on. Can we give it up for the Strasburgers? Hey, even when there's 2% odds, our God is the one who specializes in redeeming and making a way where the world says there is no way. Come on, let's praise God for just a moment more. And by the way, was that not crazy to hear that 85% of parents with special needs children end up in divorce? And that's one of my favorite things about this new building that we're about to get into. We have a kids team that is building out a sensory room where we're going to be able to minister to families who have that dynamic so that we can be a lift in their lives. Come on, I'm so grateful. Our kids team is already preparing for that. It's going to be amazing. But one key takeaway from that is that great marriages are built, they're not born. You got to work at it and you got to um, be a part of leaning into it. And we want to help. That's why we hope that you'll right now save the date of our upcoming marriage conference. Every year we try to sow into the relationships in Salisbury for those in our church and outside of our church. We want to be an asset to marriages because we believe God is for it. And so save the date. It's a one-day Saturday-only conference. It's only $25, and we're simulcasting in some of the national Christian best leading voices on the topic that there are. So it's going to be amazing right in this room. Whether you're single, engaged, married, or single again, we invite you if you want to learn more about marriage and invest in whether it's your future marriage or your present marriage, do that and also invite a friend because some people would really be blessed by this, all right? So there's all the information on the screen. And I just want to say this before I jump into any more of the message, that at no point do we believe in... I believe that the enemy would like nothing more than to put on some people in here a spirit of condemnation. If you've been through a divorce or if you've been through a separation, I am in no way trying to attack or, or, or downcast or downplay anything that happened to you. Marriage is hard and it takes two people leaning into it and two people surrendered by God. And if you find yourself in that situation today, our God specializes in redeeming stories, okay? So from this point forward, believe that God is going to partner with you and he's going to do a great new work in your life. And for the marriages who are struggling, I pray that you lean into this because oftentimes we don't voice it to other people. We silently 
suffer. And so I see that there are three common mistakes we make when it comes to marriages and mute buttons. And um, since you can't control what they do, let's focus on what we can do. And by the way, God will never hold you accountable for what they do or don't do. We sometimes like to think that we get to be the judge of what they do and we fix it all. But God won't hold us accountable for them. He will hold us accountable for how we responded to them. And so all we can do is focus on what we can control, all right? So here's three common mistakes we make in marriage communication. And this applies to your bosses, to sports events, to any activity that involves another person. Number one is the mistake of muting them. We live in a cancel culture, mute, happy world where we love to mute opinions we don't agree with. And in your relationship, it can become easy to just, just like the opening skits where we just, I don't want to talk about your version of finances. I don't want to talk about your day. I just want to watch my screen. I just want to do my thing. I don't want to talk about how my parenting's wrong and your parenting's right. And, um, when we make the mistake of muting them, it means that one or both of us have stopped listening. We no longer are listening, we just mute them because it's way more convenient. Maybe you've heard the modern day proverb probably written by men, and that is this. Um, uh, if a man speaks in the forest and there's no woman to hear him, is he still wrong? Come on, I didn't bring you... Boudreaux jokes today, but I am saying that it's so easy to just mute somebody else in our relationship as wrong, always wrong, or um, uh, always uh, too much for me to handle. Here are two actual Proverbs that we should learn on this topic of muting other people. Proverbs 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And sometimes the way we use this mute button is we're either passive, like mute, okay, honey, I'll just act like I'm listening, but I am not paying attention to anything you're saying because I long checked out of this conversation. I long checked out of this relationship. Or the way that we often mute our, our, our spouse is by you don't need to finish that sentence because I've already got a comeback. Mute, I will interrupt you because what you have to say is not worthy for me to listen to. And so the best way I can mute you is to talk over you. And we got to realize in both situations that when we, we make a mistake, when we mute our spouse, if you want a healthy relationship, you got to. In fact, I wrote it this way. Failure to properly listen can create nags out of them. Failure to properly listen can create nags out of them. There are some people who have told me one of their favorite scriptures is this one I'm going to put on the screen. I'm going to use it in a cartoon kind of way because Proverbs 21.9 at the bottom says, It is better to live on the roof than with a nagging wife. Yes, that is in scripture. However, I don't think it applies only to women being nags because I have known some men to be nags as well. I think this is an equal opportunity offender that when we have nags in our life, don't we oftentimes wish we could run up to the roof? But the problem in this scenario, if you look at it, is she's saying, Harry, Harry, where are you? He's not listening to her, but he is also, uh, she's not listening to him because there are times that I don't want to hear about these things. And 
and we got to both listen to one another. In other words, when we mute them, is it any wonder why sometimes they can become maybe a little nagging? Because I've asked you before, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. So sometimes if you're in a relationship with someone you might entitle nag, maybe you created it more than they created that in themselves. Because we mute them. And you're going to have to ask 1,400 times. And you wonder, why won't you stop asking me the same thing? Why won't you unmute my voice? Does that make sense? Am I helping anybody in here? Number two, the second mistake we often make is the mistake of muting myself. This is when we choose to go passive, to go dormant, to stonewall, to start growing cold, to grow cynical, to give up, to stop speaking. The problem is Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7 says that there is a time to be quiet and there is a time to speak. No human being is meant to go silent the entire relationship. If you want a healthy relationship, both voices should be respected. And if you've gone silent with your voice, then it's time to, to keep leaning in, to keep trying, to, to keep trying to engage and and. There, there is wisdom on how you do it. Sometimes the reason people go mute and they no longer share their opinion or they no longer share their voice is they don't think it was received very well last time. And therefore, I give up. I will just let you do all the talking. So has anybody in this room besides myself ever heard the statement before? It's not what you said. It was the tone in which... You said it. Anybody else other than me? Come on, because this is an area I work on. I, I, I don't have it all together, as I told you last week. And so one of the things that is a key in speaking uh, is not to go mute or to go silent, but it is Proverbs 15, verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. In other words, just because I'm not supposed to mute myself and I'm not supposed to go passive and I'm not supposed to discredit who God has made me, it doesn't mean I can say whatever's in my head any way I want to. Perversely, it will break other people. But with a gentle tongue, oh, we can bring life to a, a disagreement. We can bring life to a misunderstanding. We can bring life in the middle of it. We got to be honoring. We got to be gentle. We don't go mute. In fact, I wrote it this way. Don't give up or go mute. Work on the gentleness that suits. We don't go, give up or go mute. We work on the gentleness that suits. This applies when you're talking not only to your spouse, it applies when you're talking to your boss. That didn't work. This wasn't well received. Let me try this gentleness. Let me try this angle. It works with parenting your kids. It works with any other human being. We don't give up or go mute. We don't give up our convictions or throw in the towel or just give up. We work on the gentle tongue that will suit the environment. Does that help anybody? Number three, the third mistake we often mute, uh, make is when we mute God. Oh, we're going to do this thing on our own. We're going to try to figure it out. We're going to try to use best practices. We're going to try to do all this. But Jeremiah seven thirteen says, While you were doing these wicked things, says the Lord, I spoke to you about it repeatedly, but you would not listen. We have to unmute God's voice and allow his majesty 
His, he, he knows your spouse better than you know them. He knows you better than he knows them. He's for your marriage. He is for healthy relationships. He wants to help you. And when we unmute his voice, we have a way better chance of finding harmony and unity. For the Bible is full of scriptures telling us to seek harmony and to seek peace. Because God wants relationships to be tight and to be for one another. But we have got to do our part too. And we are at a disadvantage when we mute God's voice. Most importantly... When he sent his Holy Spirit, who wants to be that voice that says, don't engage now. <laughs> Wait till the morning. Um, calm down before you say that. Hold on a second. Speak up right here. Share your opinion. Come on, it's not just hold back, but it's also, you can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's that Holy Spirit who goes, you're going to break things right now if you speak. Let's, let's let God heal you. Whose attention are you looking for? Who really fixes the situation? That person or me? Come on, we got to unmute God's voice in our life. So real quickly, what should I do? I, 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 what should I do? Well, number one should be um, uh, obvious after the first three that I said is that unmute anyone I want a healthy relationship with. I can't mute them. I can't mute me. And I can't mute him. These are non-negotiables because we're never going to have a great Valentine's date if you mute the person on the other side of the table. You're probably not going to have another Valentine's date with that person, right? But when we unmute their voice, when we hear it loud and clear, when we unmute God and we're hearing loud and clear and we're participating as well, now God is using us to grow. And listen, anyone I want a healthy relationship with, I cannot just take the easy ride and just use the mute button. In fact, we need to remove the mute button out of our marriages towards one another. If we have a button, it's like, I don't want to go down this road. I don't want to have this conversation or whatever. We don't get to go mute or mute them, but we have to communicate. How about tomorrow morning? That'll be a great time to talk about it. How about you give me a little bit of time? Or how about, yes, we can have that conversation now. But one thing we can't do is mute the other person or myself. Philippians 4.13 says what I just said. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you're the passive type person who never wants to solve a single problem in this world and just happy-go-lucky, lean into the conversation. You can do this. God's working, and you can have this conversation that brings healing. If you're the assertive one who wants to solve every problem under the sun right when you're ready to do it, remember this, that gentleness, kindness, and patience are spiritual gifts as well. In other words... We can slow down. We can be kind in our approach. We can um, uh, believe God can do a work in our lives. Both of us can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Number two, here's one mute you can keep. Mute Satan. Mute his voice. Scripture says that, it says, for Satan is a liar and is the father of lies. He specializes in lying. In fact, I love what Christy said, that she could even be in a church service where she would hear what sounded like God saying that this marriage is not of God. And that is a voice of the enemy. For the Bible says that Satan is a 
prowling lion looking for someone to destroy. It says he appears as an angel of light. In other words, if he showed up to Jesus and tried to quote scriptures that was just slightly off trying to get him messed up, he'll do it to you too. If he showed up to Adam and Eve and he spoke things that were of God but slightly distorted, he will do it to you too. We've got to learn to, do, to discern the voice of Satan and mute his voice. And if you don't know how to discern his voice yet, you need to be in a small group of people who can help you. You need to be around mentors and spiritual leaders and pastors and, and, and people who are further along in the journey who you can go, I feel like God said this, does this sound like him? And they can say, yes, that lines up with this scripture, or no, it does not line up with scripture. That might have been an angel of light, Satan trying to deceive you. And by the way, anyone who's not for your marriage might be a voice being used by Satan to break you up. And that's a voice you can mute too. Because Mark 10, 9 says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So if you're hanging out with the ladies and they're always talking bad things about your man, or if you're around other guys and you're always picking apart her, and they're just like, I don't know why you stay together. I don't know why you keep believing. I don't know why this. Maybe it's time to mute those voices in your life and surround yourself with the Word of God and people of faith. Can I get an amen? Because if a marriage of only a 2% success rate can be better than ever, he could do it in your life too. Finally, Number three is to remember the big three. We should unmute anyone I want to have a healthy relationship with. Mute Satan. And number three, remember the big three. James 1.19 gives us the big three laws of communication. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and quick to mute other people. That's not what it says. There's no mute button in it. The only mute button in it is us being slow to listen, slow enough that I hear it all before I respond. My parents would say you have two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as often as you speak. And so I, I can't interrupt and I can't go mute. I need to be listening and discerning. When my mind goes, you can stop right there because that's not true. And I have something better to say. And let me respond to that. I am slow to speak, quick to listen. Let me be human. No, I'm not. I'm still working on it. And we probably all need to work on it too. But with God's help, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Who say, come on, God, you're on our side. You're for this marriage. You can do this thing. I submit to your way. Your way is better than my way. I'm trusting your way. And he makes a way where there is no way. If he's done it for your life, can you give him a big hand clap of praise? I hope this helps you today, but I want to pray over you. And if you would just open your hands like this, like you're going to receive, I want to pray a blessing over you. To those who are married, Father, for those who are healthy and strong, Father, I pray vitality and life that you continue to pour on your blessings, that you would open up doors of influence, that they would realize that it's time to mentor others and to be generous of what they have learned and to share with others and to give. I thank you so much for those who already do that. Father, for those who are married and struggling, 
Father, I know we like to keep it silent and we like to keep it hidden. But Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you give us an accountability partner where we can privately share the, the pains we're dealing with. And Father, that you would inject us today with hope and life. You are for us, not against us. You will help us. You will prevail. There is no um, uh, tomb or grave that has kept you back. So Father, you've done it before. You'll do it again. I pray new strength and trust in marriages. We've seen you do it. We can't wait. For those who are single again, I pray no condemnation in this place. But in Jesus' name, you begin to renew life and the excitement for what God is going to do. You have a plan for them. You have good things for them. And Father, you're going to use them and their testimony to tell of the good news. And it's going to break bondage and it's going to break off yokes and it's going to break off despair. So Father, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So Father, no more holding back. No more believing lesser than. No more thinking that you are a second class citizen. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray you would elevate the esteem of those who have maybe had mistakes or maybe had setbacks but father you are redeeming it i thank you it's in your hands and for the single father i pray that you would help us gain wisdom that we would not make the mistakes that we would not be a statistic but we would be a statistic of your glory because god you are for us not against us so father help us sow wisdom into our hearts in jesus name with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, if you're in this place and you're like, I, I didn't realize how good God is and I want to give him my life, but I've got shame and regrets. I've done some things that I'm not proud of and I just want to ask God to forgive me right now. I want to surrender running from him today. Today's the day that I give him my life. Come on, I won't embarrass you or call you forward, but with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if that's you and you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus today or give it back, would you just throw your hand high in the air real quick? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands everywhere. Thank you for the courage of those who are choosing you today. If you're online and that's you, Come on, you can write in the chat, I'm in too, or just believe everything we're about to say together with all of your heart. If you raise your hand, repeat after me, and the whole church is going to do it as well. But I need you to believe everything that you're saying as we pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I have sinned. I have messed up. I have done stupid things. And I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I believe Jesus is the Son of God. When He died on that cross, He did it to set me free. So I receive that freedom today. Thank you for a brand new start. The old is gone, the new has begun, and I am giving you my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church erupted in praise and celebration. Amen.